legends like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Anthony Irwin. Like this guy here. His name is Fagan. Harrison Fagan. Welcome back to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined, as always, by Harrison Fagan with a special guest today uh, that limits Harrison's speaking time, which is, you know, a win for everybody. Mirren Fader of TheRinger.com. She wrote the Giannis book. He immediately wins a finals MVP. She wrote the Austin Reeves profile, which we're going to talk about a lot today. He immediately hits a game winner. Uh, Mirren, can you write a, a, a profile about just the Silver Screen Roll podcast feed and, and, you know, watch us start winning Webbies and stuff? Is that, is that, has a team reached out to you? Like, hey, can you write about our guy and, and turn his season around? Has not. Bill Simmons asked you to write about the Celtics and, and like are the Pelicans like, hey, can you please write about Zion? Like, we just need we need to fix this. <laughs> the the best comment last night was um, somebody saying, "Can you please write about the Knicks again?" <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> can, can you write about Kemba so he can get off the bench? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what what a twenty four hours it has been. But hi, thank you guys for having me. <laughs> Thank you very much for hopping on with us. Like I said, we're going to be talking a lot about the uh, Austin Reese profile that she wrote. It was fantastic. I, I, you know, the the ultimate respect I can give uh, to anything anybody writes is saying that I read it and I did read it. We we were we were <laughs> laughing before we went on the air, uh, so it dropped yesterday morning, and I knew that this was coming. Harrison had told me we had already worked out that you were going to come on the show to talk about it, so I was really excited to finally read it. And in the morning, I usually, you know, post up on the couch. Avery is sitting next to me. She loves Toy Story. She has this Jesse doll that has, I'm, it's, it's a lethal weapon is, is the thing. <laughs> and, and so I'm sitting there and there's a scene in Toy Story 2 where Jesse like gives Woody this big giant hug and they go in circles and stuff. Avery always loses her, her crap to it. And she like, she whips Jesse around. I happen to be at the segment that Austin Reeves talks about how often he gets hit in the head and bam, <laughs> like just immediately <laughs> gave me a concussion reading about Austin Reeves, who later that night hits a game winner and gets concussed again because every Laker fan, every Laker on the team was sitting there hitting him in the head. But, but I thoroughly enjoyed the piece. Uh, I just kind of want to start there. Like what, what about Austin Reeves? I know that you're always very interested, and it's my favorite part about your writing, in the surrounding characters as somebody kind of reaches their dreams. You know, Giannis's book was all about his family and, and the extended family in, in, in Greece. And uh, this uh, piece focused a lot on Austin Reeves' extended family and his, the relationship with his brother and all of that. But what specifically was it about Austin that really drew you to him? Yeah, well, thanks so much for the kind words. First of all, I just every time I saw him play, I was just so curious about him. You could just see when he would get in the game, like good things would happen. But mm -hmm. he wasn't playing a lot. But every time he was, he was part of some play where something amazing happened. Either he made this nice pass or made the right read. Um, he just played so hard. And once I learned about, you know, his backstory about coming from you know arkansas i was just like wow can you imagine how hard it 
must have been to get to this point. Like, I think sometimes when people have circuitous journeys like that, it's very much like a feel good, like, mm -hmm. wow, he's so happy go lucky to be here. But I knew that it took tremendous work to get to this point. And I was just so curious to find out, like, how did you even do that? You know, yeah. like, it's it's incredible. Yeah, he he the, the one of my you know my actual favorite moment in the book is when Polinka calls him and he tells him that he he got the contract and he couldn't even make eye contact with Polinka because he was sitting there tearing up and you just know that that moment for somebody who wasn't highly scouted uh, the relationship he has with Malik Monk is really fascinating because Monk is this super highly touted prospect lottery pick all these things they played against each other in in Arkansas and you can see the kind of divergent paths that those two guys go on and then they you know they wind up converging making about the same amount of money i think which is kind of ironic on on, on this lakers team and and that moment where where you get the payoff of holy crap i'm a laker now uh was that when when you were interviewing him was was there emotion behind him retelling that that moment like was that something that he was he seems kind of reclusive he doesn't really seem the kind who really likes to talk much about himself and so in that moment where he is having that conversation with Rob and then his retelling of it, was that something that he was just still kind of dumbstruck over? Yeah, he really was. And you could tell he, you know, when, when guys talk about getting emotional, there's a little bit of hesitance, but he was just like, man, tears of joy. Yeah. Um, which I, that's one of the things I really respect about him is there, there is this genuineness to him and he was honest about that. And, in that moment, like, I think for him, so many things crystallized. The one, I don't think this made the piece, but he said, at that point, nobody could tell me shit. Um, <laughs> which again, is that- is That, that should have made the piece, come on. I know, I know. It's just, it, things are just on the cutting room floor. But I think it was, it's that duality that he has between like immense gratitude for the moment and such a pure and, and lovely sense of, of gratitude to be where he is, but at the same time, he is not starry-eyed. He is very much like, nobody could tell me shit. I belong. I'm going to grind. And I think it's that duality that's allowed him to thrive. So that duality was actually something that I wanted to ask about because it really does come through in the piece. Like you have these moments of these kind of like golly gee, uh, like shucks enthusiasm <laughs> of, you know, like at the end of the story, he's talking about, you know, he's on the bench with Malik Monk and he's like, can you believe we're here? And Malik's like, yeah, I always predicted this. And uh, <laughs> Austin Reeves is like, I mean, not really yeah, me, me too, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but then he also has these moments where he's scrimmaging against LeBron and he's like, well, you know, I played really good defense. Like the greatest player of all time hit like, you know, a shot over me and just like, it was a good shot, whatever. And then you don't have LeBron kind of checking out and being like, hey, maybe you could get a stop now. Um, but like Austin, he it's this weird kind of dichotomy of like, he is simultaneously very, very sure of himself, clearly, yeah. but yeah. Uh, and believes in himself, but also is kind of like, like, you know, like, oh, oh my God, like, I can't believe that this is happening. And so, I mean, was that something that just was kind of like a constant theme of these kind of interviews that you were doing and talking with him? And like, I mean, how does he square that? Or how did you try to square that? It's, it's this weird, like, kind of, you know, self-belief, but not. Yeah, it was a constant duality. It came up all the time in my interviews. And it was something that I thought very deeply about when I was trying to write the story, because I was very conscious of not trying to portray him as this starry eyed, like kid from Arkansas, like Bambi. just so happy. Yeah. Bambi so happy to be here because 
he wants more than just to be here. He wants to be great. Like Austin aches to be great. He, he, and he believes that he can be. And I think that uncanny confidence is the reason, one of the many reasons why he's been able to do, to do so well, because you can't step on the floor with multiple hall of famers and act starry eyed. You cannot walk on that floor and not believe you're the greatest player on the floor. Now, whether he be, whether he is the greatest player on the floor, it doesn't matter. He believes that he is. And I think that that is also why LeBron and Westbrook respect him because they know they're not going to be able to punk him and that he's going to show up. He's not going to be able to stop LeBron when he's doing that turnaround um, fadeaway <laughs> spot, but he's damn sure going to show up, bend his legs low and try every single time. And I think um, – one anecdote that I really love that did not make the piece was that um, his agent, Aaron Riley, suggested that he make a journal of all of these incredible, surreal moments because life mm. is moving so fast and he can't be the starry-eyed person that we're talking about. And so he encouraged him to just write down these incredible things that happened because you're going to look back and fully be able to appreciate and tell your kids one day, like, oh my God, this happened. And so Austin and I had a running joke about it, like you're, cause he didn't want to call it a journal. So I was like, so have you written in your non-journal journal? And um, <laughs> right, diary, yeah. did you try yeah. diary? That, that's even worse. <laughs> Yours truly has been diary writing since fifth grade. So I was like, tell me about this non-journal journal. Yeah. Um, but he, he definitely wrote some stuff, especially in the, the early periods of time, because he can't afford to really look too deep into it because the second you start being too reflective and introspective, you're not going to be present and you're not going to be able to perform. Yeah. He needs to play at 110%. And if he's thinking right. about anything else because of the lack of athleticism that he kind of has, he gets in trouble. It's funny that you said he, he aches for greatness, but he, he seems like he aches generally just because of like, <laughs> He plays so hard and he, he is always on the floor. He, uh, last night, one of my favorite kind of possessions, uh, that he had defensively, I think it was Dorian Finney Smith, uh, yeah, had him in isolation him multiple times down the stretch. They kept trying like he was hoping. Yeah. Yeah. They, they kept trying. And it was funny because one of the things that you had mentioned in your article was that when he played AAU, every time he stepped on the floor, they kept saying, yeah, go with the white guy, go with the white guy, go with the white guy. And we saw that last night where they kept trying to go with the white guy and go with the white guy. And, you know, you could tell there were some moments where a Chris Tapps Porzingis hits a, a pull-up jumper over the top of him and his arms are stretched high. He's in the right position, but sometimes the better player just makes the better shot or the, the good offensive player makes the shot. And then, you know, the possession that he had against Finney Smith, this guy who is built in a lab to play basketball, 6'10", can jump out of the gym, capable of handling the ball a little bit. He goes to the basket, and Reeves is right there, step for step with him, and challenges the shot. I think it was uh, he missed, Finney Smith missed it. And it was just such a perfect Reeves situation where you don't, it's it's not going to show up in the stats. It's not going to, it's not the kind of thing that, you know, you're going to, you're going to write home about after the game. Only nerds like, you know, I will, will really kind of notice that. But it's just exactly why he has been so successful. It's just this recognition of what he is good at and what he what he isn't necessarily as good at or what the team needs. And I was just going to ask, like, is, is that something that that hyper self-awareness, was that something that that really struck you while you were talking to him? Yeah, but it's hyper self-awareness, but it's also just insane, pure competitiveness, mm. like 
this idea that whoever I'm guarding, I must lock up. Like it is, it is gamer in the purest sense. And I think like, to your point about not showing up in the box scores, this is where I really think give Lakers scouting department credit because we're in the age of analytics and a lot of the, the most wonderful parts about Austin's game just can't be captured in a stat. Mm -hmm. Um, He will compete to the bitter end, even if you clock him in the face, even if you, you swing that elbow, like he's going to keep showing up. And I just think that those are intangibles that, you know, when you're looking at evaluations, those are the things that you need to look for because he doesn't pass the eye test. He never has. He will always be doubted. When I first started um, working on this profile, a lot of people that I knew when I told them, they were like, you know, Austin, like he's really good. Like there would just be this like surprise in their yeah. voice. And I think there will always, no matter what he accomplishes, there will always be a, a tinge of surprise because you know, politics don't end once you get to the NBA. And I think there are people that still underestimate him for sure, but he loves that. Like it doesn't upset him at all. Like he very much his, I think this quote did make me, he said like, screw it. I'm going to prove to you why I belong or something. Like he, he's just, he's like, yeah, I don't, I really don't care what you think of me. I know who I am and I know what I can do. I, I love how many anecdotes you have now that, that that you're like prepared with that didn't make it because you, you got the question on every single Giannis book tour interview of like, what didn't make the story? And you're like, well, it's a book. Like everything made the story. <laughs> oh my God. I kind of had to fill out every single thing. That Hello, I four, into this 400 book. pages. I know. Yeah. Now <laughs> I'm assuming you have like a hundred, like a hundred hours of interviews that did not make it into this story and whatever. Like, this is great. You're just like, you're, you have like one for every single question. Um, One of the ones that I wanted to ask you about, though, was Anthony sort of hinted at it before on, you know, like the Laker people trying to switch onto Austin. And this was you put a quote from Phil Handy in there that like, oh, like people think that he's just the white dude and they try to like switch onto him. Frank Vogel talked about this last night. Like he didn't say he's just the white dude, but he said, you know, teams think that, you know, undrafted guy, I can get the switch onto him. We saw this happening down the stretch of the Dallas game last night. Like how amused overall, like beyond just Handy, like the Lakers that you talked to, like were they do they think it's funny at this point that teams just are not really aware that he's actually pretty good on defense because I hate to make the comparison to the white Laker or whatever but like it's the last you know when Caruso was on his two-way deal it's the same thing that teams would try to do to him because they'd see him it's like the balding 20 year old undrafted dude and they're like all right he's food we can switch on to him and the Lakers it just seems like they're a little bit amused that teams are just they still think that they can pick on Austin just because he's the skinny guy and he's actually like pretty good defensively like not just for a rookie like overall yeah not only are they amused by it they're just like well whatever that's our advantage I have never (laughs) seen veterans uh talk so positively about somebody in Austin's position like you know I profile a lot of young guys that are making a mark and I like to profile them young and you know as they're on their rise but I have never seen veterans be so complimentary of a player Rondo Mm. like just could not stop gushing over his work ethic and his attitude IQ. IQ I mean it was just like the respect was there and that's why I wanted to lead with that anecdote about the OKC film room um moment because it wasn't that Austin knew he could guard um the player it was that all these guys spoke up for him and vouched for him. And that is the key of Austin's story. All his life, he knew he could compete. All his life, he knew if he got a chance, he could show them. But nobody really gave him a chance. And nobody really believed in him outside of his inner circle. I mean, I'm talking about like college coaches and recruiters. 
And all of a sudden you have these Hall of Famers that are just like, are you joking? Like, Austin yeah. got it. Like, this yeah, the, the this quote from Trevor Ariza was yeah. incredible. Like, hey, yeah. you, you don't have to fucking double. <laughs> I, I was just like, okay, I, when Austin told me this, I looked at him, I was like, how did that make you feel? Because yeah. you know, I played, I know that that is a moment of respect and uh, it just will fill your heart with such, oh my God, like they think I can whoop. Yeah. You know? and, and, and he was just- I never got that for some reason. It was weird. <laughs> They, they were like, please don't switch that guy. Please Stop. send help. No. Send help. Uh, I was going to say, as like a lanky, unathletic white guy, I can relate to like people wanting to get you switched onto them in pickup games. I can't relate to being able to clamp them afterwards or your yeah. teammates having faith, but I have had that happen. So like in a way, I'm just like Austin Reeves. Yeah. And he, so Austin's typical demeanor, he does not like attention. He's very humble. He, I said, well, how did you react? Did you try to play it cool? Did you give him a nod? You know, what do guys do? Like, I, you know, I know like men, it's hard. Like, what do you, how do you respond? And he, he I wrote like, in my not journal. Yeah. <laughs> he said, he just said, appreciate it with a nod. <laughs> Austin, like every time somebody compliments him or you know when Car when the the anecdote about um Carmelo Anthony getting in between the scuffle and being that like, was great be yeah. like Fuck no you're not gonna push this guy Austin was like appreciate it and so it's just a running joke I was like did you say appreciate it you know yeah. and, but that's him you know he he just it, there's a there's a just an authentic down-to-earth part of him and he he respects those guys on his team so much i want to make mm -hmm. that clear he is in awe of them but he also knows that they're human beings and he just relishes the opportunity to learn from them and they're really like reliant on him like it's yeah. not he can't sit there and be doughy-eyed because if right. he does that they won't rely on him on the same way i also like this idea that the lakers have tapped this market inefficiency of white guys who can play defense <laughs> because <laughs> they catch every team trying to switch onto him and Caruso was able to handle it. Now Reeves that's, that's just good. That's just good front office ship. Yeah. It's but like, if you can get a guy that is good at defense, that teams are actively targeting, that's going to make your defense better. Exactly. Yeah. They just well, got, they're trying to find the dorkiest looking dudes who can play. And yeah. then like, it's a market. It, it is. It's new money ball. Harrison, Here's have they called you? Stop. <laughs> uh, Anthony, I think somehow teams would average four points a play against me. I don't know how, but Harrison, I want to see it. We should all like practice taking charges. I would love to see each of each of our reactions. He would die. I would be out for three would, weeks of yeah. podcasting. Yeah, I'd get injured way too easily. Yeah. The thing, the thing about the defense was it was almost a running joke in the reporting because people that love and know Austin well know that he was not no. It was not like he was known for his defense before this point. They were like, "How about that? He's playing defense." And the thing is, Austin has always been able to play defense. He's always, you know, but it wasn't like the thing he was known for. He's always played hard. He's always been able to defend. But it was more just like, "How will I stay on the floor?" Okay, like I've got LeBron, I've got Russell. I. I'm not going to be scoring a million points a game. Like defense is how I'm going to get in that game. Defense is how I'm going to help spark a run or sustain a run or give somebody a breather. And so it's kind of funny that the thing he's becoming known for is not necessarily the thing that he was known for up to this point. He was yeah. the go-to guy. Like if you guys saw him in that NCAA tournament, Scored 70 something, That's he crazy. can score like he can, it's not even like catch and shoot. Like he can create, like he's yeah. very natural with the ball. Um, but that's, that's you got to play a role and he he wants to win like his grandma used to say like 
okay, if you score 30 points and you lose, eh, we got to work on things. But like, if you score two points and they win, like that's a good day. And he mm. really, he really believes that. Yeah. You mentioned, I want to take, I want to talk about grandma Reeves, but I want to take it back real quick too. You mentioned yeah, she Rondo. seems incredible. Yeah. She's know, grandma Reeves seems awesome. She has mamba mentality. Um, yeah. grandmama, <laughs> grandmama mentality is, I think is what it's called. The best. Oh yeah. my God. Um, but I wanted to ask you about Rondo really quick because you mentioned him and their kind of mentorship. And I've heard going back to the preseason, like Austin has been following him around like a puppy dog, like sitting next to him on the play. And then you had some great anecdotes about like, you know, Rondo will just randomly walk up to Austin and ask him about a specific timestamp in his individual film and like ask him what happened on that play. Like when Austin told you that, like is Rondo literally just like Austin just lives in fear walking around the facility. Rondo's going to jump out from behind the corner. He's like, Hey, 11 minutes in what happened on that play? Or is it like, what was his, what was his kind of demeanor? as He's retelling to you that uh, Rondo. Have is they played connect four? Like, have they... <laughs> it is not fear. It is more like, Oh my God, this guy really cares about me. Like he, he really is invested in my development. Like Rondo does not have to do that at all. Young guys love Rondo. Like his whole career, young guys have loved Rondo. Like he is a good teammate. Like say what you will about what he can do with it. He's a good teammate. Austin is sure that when Rondo's playing days are over, he's going to become a coach because he just will not stop talking like in a good way. Like he's just always communicating. And I don't, a handy said to me that I think he said, uh, Rondo's a savant. Um, and if I'm a rookie, I am trying to be next to Rondo every second of every, you know, day to try to pick his brain. And that's what Austin's doing. And that's what I mean by like relishing the moment. It's not just about like playing hard and scoring and defending when you're in the game. Relishing the moment is like taking advantage of the tremendous knowledge in that locker room. So, you know, a lot of young guys might be afraid to come up to a veteran and try to learn from him. But, you know, Austin has really taken the initiative and Rondo has taken the initiative. He said he's one of the best rookies he's ever had ever. So that's incredible. Cause Rondo has had like good rookies on his team, especially when teams bring Rondo in for rookies. Yeah. Yes. Like that's something that they go out and do. If they get, like, if they have a young guard who they have high hopes for, they've tried to bring in Rondo. Yeah. He, he literally, he was like, Austin is by far one of the best rookies I've ever had. Like it's, it's not even close. Like he's just, I think he respects he respects Austin's um, cheerfulness. Is that a word? Like he's like he he he's You're a always... writer. You know, cheerfulness is a word. <laughs> After you write a piece, you are physically dead. You are t- you need to recover. And so I, what are words this morning? Um, yeah. But I think yeah, I, I, Rondo like has tremendous respect. The other thing that did not make the piece that I thought was funny because you know the sweatpants thing with um, yeah. with. Uh, Reeves, you know, he loves his sweatpants. He doesn't care about fashion. He's he's just a hooper. And I said to Rondo, like, do you guys make fun of him for that? And he was like, no way. Like, but, you know, he'll get some more money, you know, down the line. And he, he might not be wearing sweatpants. And, <laughs> yeah, it was like Austin swears he's always going to be like this. He's never going to change up, which I totally believe. But I, his teammates respect him for who he is. They're not trying to change him. Yeah, see, I don't know, because Rookie Coos was notorious. <laughs> like, his teammates would make fun of him for how often he wore the team-issued sweats because he hadn't made his money yet. He was, like, yeah. a late first-round pick. As soon really? as he got that Puma deal and he started getting some money rolling, it's like, all of a sudden, yeah. then you see Coos walking around in, like, seven-footer Ariana Grande sweaters. So, like, yeah. I don't know if we're going to see Austin in something like that. But, yeah, well, I'll, I'll believe he's going to stick to sweatpants when I see it. He Technically is- still sweater. Like, technically, that's still a sweater. <laughs> so he could rock it. I think I think the best part is that he's he's very 
sure of himself. It's very refreshing. He's like, I said, don't come back in three years when I talk to you and you're going to be all dressed up and you're, you know, whatever. And he's like, no, I never. And it's just, it's just so refreshing, you know, somebody to see somebody that knows who he is. Like think of any of us at age 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. We don't know who the hell we are. I, I think Austin really knows who he is. I want to, I want to talk about Grand Mamba uh for a sec she's, she's yeah this is uh this is a new name we're sticking with this this is good this is a yeah. rare stroke of genius from you love so did she so she she talks about you know a lot she's she's a, a you know a very pervasive presence throughout the piece and and you know love you to the moon and back and and you know walking out of his game because he threw a tantrum and, and like did she play like did she did where, where did that where did her instinct for the sport come from Yes, I really honestly wished I could have made the whole profile about grandma because grandma Reeves, Janet is just amazing. She, um, so when she played girls basketball was still like, um, three on three. Yeah. It was like a more half court thing. There was a Rover. And, um, although basketball wasn't like her sport by any means, she did play and she, she noted that, um, they let the school that she was at, let them play like the boys. So they weren't just standing around being dainty in the corner. They were like, really playing um and so this is genetic this is where he get his grandma was like getting hit yeah. in the face you know I, like <laughs> like decades ago and he's you know he was born for this look she she set the table and the other thing she did was she was a bowler like bowling and she loved bowling and she is encyclopedic of every sport she talked to her about football like talked to her about baseball like she knows so much about these sports and so you know i think austin really got you know, a reverence for sports from her, a competitiveness from her, um, a, an emphasis on sportsmanship from her. Um, like she just, and, and she, they're from Indiana. So she grew up like with the respect for Hoosiers and the mm -hmm. court and all of that. And so um, they are so close. And the, the reason why it was in there, not just because of her lovely text messages, but because we talk about roots and we talk about coming from Arkansas. It's not just that he came from, quote, middle of nowhere. To understand home, you have to understand family. And yeah. everything that Austin is comes from family. Yeah, it, it's it, his relationship with with grandma. Like, it was something that really stood out to me because that was kind of, kind of the relationship that I had with mine was where, yeah. you know, she would come to the games and – uh, she made me do push-ups off to the side one time because I missed a free throw. Like she was, she was hard on me about that stuff. Yeah, and so when when I hear about this grandma Mamba character, it's just incredible to to hear like the impact that that has on somebody and 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 uh, the small town nature of this. Like how how depressing was it to hear a Laker say that he can't afford rent in L.A. Like is that? That was wild. Okay, he can afford rent. Not that he can't he want to pay it. Yeah. No, exactly. but like it, it took it took a Laker by surprise what the rents are in LA. That's insane. It well, it was my favorite part because so I had stopped by um Boy in the Bear, a super bougie coffee shop before the interview to prepare. And it's it's really close to where we were. And um we were just talking about this, and I was like, my small was six dollars. Like this is Jeez. this is you know, and yeah. Just seeing his reaction, like, oh, I'm never going to go to places like that, you know, and and just it, it's so relatable. And I think this is why Lakers fans love him, because his comments like that, that's it's so genuine. Like he he's people feel like he's just like them um, because he is who the frick wants to pay five thousand. But I think it was it's important to 
note those I appreciated three. the specification that in Arkansas, a thousand can get you a nice place. I was like, <laughs> that made me feel bad about myself. By the way, like, golly. I pay more than that for not a nice place. By the way, golly was not golly. It was golly. Okay, yeah, it was, golly. It was like, it was like yeah. very intense, but again. Like a W in there somewhere. Well, I was very conscious of that because I wanted to talk about this with endearment and respect and pride and love and not like, wow, this guy is, you know, doesn't want to pay. Like, I think sometimes there's a tendency to write about people that come from places different than the ones we come from with a, you know, a judgment. And I didn't want that at all. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's just, that's his spirit. He, he doesn't believe in spending a lot of money and it's very much like Giannis in that way. Like just all about family, all about the right values, like doesn't care much, but yes, intense culture shock. Like coming to LA like he's wearing this sweater he has no idea where it's from and I was like is that just life now life is a star and he's yeah. just like I don't know you know <laughs> I guess, like I guess. Aaron, you gotta stop comparing him to Giannis Lakers fans are high enough Sorry. on him as it is like Sorry. you're the foremost Giannis expert you can't keep being like yeah you know he's this skinny kid from not a basketball hotbed <laughs> you know was kind of overlooked coming up and then ah. you know, next thing we know we're getting like Austin Reeves photoshopped with Giannis but muscles like you know powering his way to the basket in the NBA finals I'm like, gonna check know. the finals MVP odds right now and see where Austin is at because <laughs> this seems you, gotta, real. you could get a bargain. Look, this guy, when Handy said he has a really, he said, um, he said to me, this is a guy that I think will have a long career in the NBA. I just thought, wow, you know, Handy is as amazing as they yeah. come. He, to hear that from somebody like Handy who has worked with the all time greats is pretty cool. Yeah. The, the Handy in, in particular is somebody. Because I always kind of joke that this team was kind of put together by hoops, Twitter, like real hoopers Twitter, right? They, they, they really value buckets and guys who can go out and get their own. Malik Monk was somebody that they were really excited to get because you look at him in, in isolation and I just don't know how you stay in front of somebody who is that athletic and can shoot like that. And, and I think Handy is, kind of, is very representative. He's literally a player development coach. Yeah. He focus on, focuses on the one-on-one -on -one stuff. But for a one-on-one, like -on -one, best player dev coach ever, ever, you know, like in terms ever. of the guys he's worked with, yeah, yeah, and and to see, so it, it's it it's kind of comes in two parts here, where on one hand, somebody who is this kind of loquacious about somebody about like like Austin Reeves, who doesn't doesn't come from AAU culture, and then on top of that, a one-on-one -on -one kind of development coach noticing the team element and the team-wide impact that that Austin Reeves has it has on the Lakers that's that's wild that it stands out that much and like you said it was what drew you to Austin in the first place was every time he steps on the court things seem to you know kind of fall more into place and you know for a rookie to be doing that on a championship contender and get all of these all of this respect from a bunch of hall of famers first ballot hall of famers and the guy can still improve like he just started weightlifting like that's what's insane I, that to Just me, like Allen Iverson. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I love that quote. Yeah, <laughs> that was so Spider Man good. meme. I was so unexpected. I was not expecting I thought him I, to compare himself to Allen Iverson. I thought story. I misread it. I thought yeah. I had to read it back. I was like, "Wait, did you just?" Okay. I was like, it "Wait, came... that AI, not Anthony Irwin." Is <laughs> <laughs> real late in the profile too? And I'm like, "That you know that that's an example. Like, you do not need to put all the gold up front. Like, yeah." Know, yeah stain you know he's just got so many good things to say but that to me i think you just hit on something that's so important to talk about which is that austin part of what makes him so amazing at what he does is that it's all natural like 
he did not have the traditional development route. He did not grow up going to AAU practice and playing 10 games in a weekend and, and going to skill practices and, you know, weightlifting. He had so many shoulder problems. He could barely weightlift throughout high school. Um, he really only had a trainer, a skill development trainer and on performance stuff and diet, like pre-draft, like a month before the draft. Um, this guy literally became what he was from playing one-on-one -on -one with Spencer, his older brother. Like the IQ and all the things we're praising him for comes from getting beat up by his older brother mm -hmm. and just learning how to react when you're being bullied in the post. He so was used to getting hit in the head. Like he, again, he was built for this. He was built for this. Yeah. And I think like, that's a credit to Spencer. That's a credit to Austin. Like, it's not like you, like you don't need to go the traditional path to make it. Like he, as his trainer, his new trainer, Alan Watson said, like he really was playing off his God-given ability. Like that's crazy. Like it's he, wild. It's wild. And so it's just, it just goes to show like, there's not always one answer. There's not always one path. You don't need to have all the shiny trainers and the expensive, like there's no substitute for experience. And um, he would just get beat up every day. I mean, that's and what, what that's that's what Michael always Giannis says, right? Like growth. What did you say? Well, it's it, I was going to say it's like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was like, you know, he he got beat up by his older brother. And what we're what I'm basically getting at here is that Austin Reeves is a combination of Giannis and Michael Jordan. Like, oh my God. Yeah. This is his You wrote it. I mean, these are your words that yeah. we're twisting. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, okay. I, 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 <laughs> I have one more question, and then we have some questions for people on Twitter, because people, as they should be, are loving this profile. If you have not read it and you've somehow made it this far into the podcast, again, like, go read it. We're going to insert a link, or, I mean, hopefully Anthony will. We'll see if he does. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, I, But I have one more question before we get to the mailbag. So sure. the anecdote that I am maybe most obsessed with from this profile is not the one that I tweeted out yesterday about LeBron and like, you know, Austin thinking that he could guard him that we met. It's the, I I'm just going to read this back to you. Wichita state finally offered him a scholarship when Reed from Buchanan <laughs> visited campus on the way home, the two stopped at a hog wild pit barbecue in Wichita to celebrate. It sounds While amazing. Eating, Austin spotted something outside. He leapt onto the booth across the, uh, he leapt onto the booth across from them. Oh my gosh. Reeve said, this is the most beautiful picture I've ever seen. It was a cow standing in a snow covered field. He took a picture. <laughs> I, I just it. can explain yourself. Did you get to see the picture of the yeah, cow? Have you seen like, the picture? You know, is this on his like Facebook account somewhere? Like, does he still have the most beautiful picture? It's ever? his is Facebook it background in yeah. his overpriced Los Angeles apartment, just like the cow in the snow. I did see it, but I don't think he has Facebook. I know he doesn't have Twitter, um, but I did no, see he it. Doesn't he's very smart to not have Twitter too? Like that's yeah. good on him. Good on him. Um, and you know, I don't have Instagram, so we're we're both just just bucking the trend here. But yeah, no, I did see it. It's so funny because it's it's the most simple thing. It is literally a cow as described, which is why the sentence is so simple. It is a cow <laughs> sitting on top of some Can stuff. you tweet this out? Like, do you have the picture? Like we need the Lakers <laughs> Twitter. Come on, do some real investigative journalism, Mirren. This is unbelievable. You're like denying <laughs> people the details they want. Let's let him keep his life a little <laughs> private. Um, but uh, no, I'm not going to tweet it out. But I think, um, you know, that's his his life and his photo. But I, I think it was it. I loved it because Austin sees the beauty and simple things that maybe other people won't. Um, Austin appreciates mm. the little things um, like nature and, and just things that we take for granted. Um, you know, the growing up in completely different circumstances like he. 
he just there I, I think that anecdote also just shows that he um he he appreciates the small things in life he just got offered it was a very hard recruiting process yeah. people didn't offer him believe in him and the excitement came from a picture in a you know a, a cow in a in a snow covered field you know i i just and he, he he loves steak. That's his thing. Like he just loves. Yeah, he, also, he was hungry. This is why he, he took the photo. Hungry. He well, he was eating his brisket, and then he was like, "Oh my god!" And then he, you know, and, he, and the I'm eating your mom. Stop! So intense. Okay, and then that was a lot. Uh, and and um, anyways, I, I love that anecdote. It says so much about. Anthony, do you have anything else or do, should we just go right to the Twitter mailbag? Well, I, I do like just because, you know, you you read it and and a lot of the things that we're saying about this guy are like the white guy cliches, right? Smart, coach's son, you know, works hard. All those, yeah, all those little all things. These, so like, were you were you conscious while you were reading, while you were writing this to, to try to avoid or be aware of of some of those white guy cliches? Because because that's that's that can be a stumbling block that you know i'm sure if if you know there are other people reading this who who are saying like well all right so he's, he's a white guy like it's he, <laughs> so what i'm supposed to take from this is he's, is that he's a white guy so was that something you were aware of yeah i mean that is very uh much part of the reason why he was doubted his whole life but as you notice it does not come up very high in the piece i think it takes a while to even address that because yeah. I think the bigger issue was that he was skinny and from a place no one heard of. And so yeah. I think those were also tantamount to like being underestimated. But I also think like he's not great because he's like a white guy. He, he's, he's great because he's competitive and, yeah. he's, and he's fearless and he's a badass. And he's also super humble and sweet and endearing and nice and genuine. And yeah, it just so happens the cliches are true. Like yeah, it's just... and, it, and it's not, and he's not a caricature. He is his own person. There's many ways he's different from Caruso. There's many ways he's different from, you know, I mean, his the white he guy really thing is not actually... a very similar player to Caruso at no. all, other than that they no. both do little things that don't show up in the box score, but they're like very different little things and how they go right. about them. Yeah, well, he right, has a handle. And he, right, and he doesn't. He is not the the caricature of the white guy in the corner shooter. Austin can take you off the dribble. Like he can hoop. Like, I don't know yeah. how a more elegant way to say it. Like he, so to me, the white thing, it's, it's part of it. But if, if you notice, I didn't it's say it. it. I let them say, I let Austin talk about it. I let Handy talk about it. I personally mm -hmm. was, wasn't as invested in, in saying that it's, you know, you, you can show it without telling. You don't need to hit people over the head with it. It's clearly there, but it's not the full story. The full story is like, Oh my God, look at the million odds this person has overcome. How special is this moment? How do you how do you feel the amazingness of it without letting it overwhelm you so you can't perform? No, yeah, I, mean, I, I I like the way that you handled it, you know, because it is something that people are gonna be aware of and it is something that people are saying. Like you can't help that that's the those are the right. compliments that the guy receives. Right. It's just, you know, I I'm glad that, you know, not to tell you how to do your job or anything, but like adding oh, to no. Add, adding to oh, like adding to the cliches would have would have made it you know and and I think handling handing yeah. it off to everybody else to 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 make those points because they are valid points they are what he brings to the table right now and then eventually once he you know gets more freedom and stuff we'll see more of the Hooper aspect right. of his game.
Right. Okay. Right. I have one last follow up actually based off of that. Now, um, just, you know, we, we talked about like the white guy cliches, whatever we talked about the Caruso comps, you know, obviously he has become a little bit of a meme. I appreciated that you tried to tell his story without leaning into that, but like, is that something that came up? Like, does that kind of attention, you know, obviously he mostly stays off social media. He doesn't really embrace that kind of stuff. Like, is that something that came up at all during your reporting process or your conversations with him or anyone else? Like, is there, is that conscious for him to kind of not lean into that that he wants to be seen as a little bit more than like kind of the meme that he is being involuntarily turned into a little bit you know he really does not care about the internet like that i i have never been around an athlete that just doesn't um is just not even concerned like i i i found it so refreshing he doesn't search for himself he did i know some well, you guys, probably didn't have internet growing up did they have that in arkansas yet like they had internet <laughs> but um you know it's just somebody that's just got his head and heart in the right place and the memes and stuff they don't it really doesn't even uh it, it just doesn't matter it just doesn't he's he is it doesn't very, register it doesn't register and it's not important. There's a whole lot of memes that happened last night since I've talked to him. So I have no idea since, but- um, He's gonna start, uh, re he reposted them on Instagram during this interview with our lot. <laughs> like this segment is gonna sound like totally out of date. Like- Yeah. I, I just can't see him like caring, you know, he, um, the, the running joke is that Austin was bad at texting in high school. And, you know, he, even if you want to recruit him, it was hard to track down because he just, <laughs> he just wants to be out hooping. He doesn't, he's not attached to his phone the way kids of his generation are, which is, is lovely. Well, respect to him for that. I, I, yeah. I have a couple rapid fire ones from the mailbag. Uh, this first one to kind of, uh, just to kind of set up this question, Austin Reeves shot around 85% from three last night. Uh, and so at Jacob, this person at Jacob Root on Twitter asked, can she write a profile on every other Laker if they're going to get the fader <laughs> bump after a piece drop? Yes. Yeah. God, well, if the, if the agents- Like, can you do one on Baysmore? Is he up now? Like, because the Lakers could He's use too a little far gone. him. Yeah, Look, no. if agents would let me, I would. I've been trying to profile AD. I've been trying to profile Westbrook. Like, just manifest this. All right. I'm, this is what I'm working on from now on. Give me, we give do, me those we're gonna agents. Make the, we're going to make the fader bump a thing, and then you're going to have you're going to get your pick of profiles. You won't even have to email people. Agents are going to be emailing you like, hey, Mirren, my guy's in a little bit of a shooting yeah. slump. Can you write about his upbringing so that AD, all of a AD desperately needs – yeah, yeah, like 80 hasn't made a three in like a year. So, you yeah, know, so if you could talk need, to him. We need to text Rich Paul. Just like, see if we could, just like, hey, you got to let Mirren in. This is going to save the season, you know? Our, you gotta... our, our listeners can't see I'm turning bright red. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe AD needs to take to a picture of a cow. Camera. Yeah, I'm covering my face. <laughs> no, no, no comment, but my, my DMs are open. Let me know if you want me to profile anyone. <laughs> Maybe maybe all that's missing from AD's game are, are pictures of cows. Like we just need to send him a whole bunch of pictures of cows and and his seasonal turnaround from deep. Um, Alex Regula did ask a good question here. Well, actually, How do, a lot of people ask this one, so go ahead. Yeah. So yeah. so um, Alex Regula, and then you know, like you're saying, a whole bunch of people are asking. How do you find your 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 you know profile targets? Like how is that? How is that? What kind of catches your eye? Is that something that, you know, started young? You're a point guard, and I, I believe, right? You were a point guard when you played, and there's yeah, a lot of she's awareness. Like, she's like four foot nine. She couldn't play anything other than point guard. <laughs> a point guard that wishes she was a center. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> but, like, but th there's there's a lot of awareness that comes with playing point guard, right? Like, you, yeah. you're always kind of thinking about the game from the perspective of, all right, that person over there needs a touch. 
that person's on fire. Let's get that person an extra touch, whatever. Um, and, and is that something that has kind of lent itself to your writing career? You know, I think it's more about the hard parts about basketball that influenced me, like always feeling like I'm on the outside looking in, you know, I am barely five feet tall. Yeah, Cause you're four nine. <laughs> And it was I undersold a, you a little bit, but it was funnier no, that way. You know what? We 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 know each other for so long. I I am not mad at it at all. Um, <laughs> this is literally uh, the story of my life was just always being underestimated and and doubted. So and and also like not making it where I wanted to go. I have such a soft spot for for. Um, things not working out or things seeming like they're not going to work out or the work ethic. You know, I spent 10 years of my life working for a, a WNBA dream. Like I, I love grinders. I love people on the outside looking in. So that does color my view for sure. But I think, so I like to find guys that have circuitous journeys like that. But, but I will say like, I love writing about a mix of things. I want to pick people who are just about to break through. Um, and oftentimes they're younger because I think the most interesting time to profile somebody is at the beginning of their career or at the end. At mm -hmm. the beginning, you don't really know what's going to happen. You're so full of delight. You're so full. You're so green. And I think it's so exciting to capture right before the ship sails off. Um, somebody who just needs a bump, you know, just needs just a slight needs the fader bump. bump to get over the hump just to stardom. <laughs> Am I still in this? Is this going to be long? <laughs> I think I'm out of the frame, guys. I think I'm falling ill. I think <laughs> no. I just I really I love profiling people on the, on the verge of a breakthrough. I also it's got to have that human interest. It's not enough for somebody to be averaging 20 points a game. I, I actually find that least interesting. Wow, you're so good like that. That to me is so boring. Like what what's what's more? So oftentimes you see me profiling people that you've never heard of. People I do want to have a mix of those superstars or breakout players, but also just random people in the community that just have really powerful stories that resonate universally, you know, they do, they, they, they tend to. So, so that's a, you have a great eye for it and, and you execute it really well. Um, all right. We, we can't take up any more of your time. Uh, yes, we can, we have, we have one more. You one any, more. Anything rapid fire. It. Last one. Oh my goodness. Uh, all right. Okay. So at, for, at George Santiago asks, did the Bucks give you something after you wrote that book on Giannis and they won the chip? No! And follow-up question from at HM Fagan, do we have to bully them into giving you a championship ring? Because I think, again, we've established your book yeah. single-handedly propelled Giannis mm -hmm. to a finals MVP, like historic run, top Stop 75 it. status. Like, Stop you know. It. Stop it right now. Uh, if anyone owes anything, I should send them a giant thank you card. Um, <laughs> um, that, that was I, so that was so humble I, that yeah. I almost believed it. Stop! <laughs> oh my god, is she wearing a championship ring? Is that Stop. my mom yeah. got this ring? This is not a championship <laughs> ring. Um, I <laughs> I'm done with you. Just, just kidding, love you always. Um, I I just I can't believe what's happened, you know, like I really can't. I I have wanted to be a writer for so long, be an author for so long. I thought an accomplishment would just be finishing the book. I never thought any of this would happen. It's it's so wild. Like at the end when Austin's like not really me, that's sort of how I feel <laughs> like I never like never in a million years did I think that anything cool like this would happen. It's been so awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. After those residual checks cleared, like from the book or whatever, like she's like, you're like $5,000. You can't afford that or like a month in rent. Like she, she, you guys can't see this on the, on the podcast, but she's doing this from her new beach house. 
Stop. Yeah. That is false fake are you, news. Are you doing are you are you Austin Reeves landlord? I think I have that right. Uh, <laughs> is he living in the pool house in the back? Like this interview has been lovely. <laughs> this is all fake news. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Miran, for hopping on. Um, let's go ahead and give uh, give you the opportunity to plug everything. So the book, Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an MVP, it has been out now for a while. And if you haven't read it, do that. I I, I listened to the audio book. Uh, that's more, you know, you guys are going to, you guys are, are it's going to shock you guys to find out. I, I was not able to read something for, for prolonged periods of time. But the audio book is great. You handled the audio book yourself. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that in and of itself is, is a wild project in, in my opinion, is somebody who hates my voice. Um, and then, uh, you're writing, <laughs> you're writing at the ringer.com and then mirinfader.com is, is where you can find all of your stuff. Anything else that you want to plug on your way out? Oh my God. Thank you so much. First of all, just for having me and for being so kind. Like I, yeah, there's so many times in this interview where I was just like, can I go hide in my shirt? Um, so I just really appreciate it. Um, nothing else. I'm working on book number two, so I'm very excited to get that going again. So on yeah, Austin nothing. Reeves. Stop. Is it? A, is it? Please tell it's me not, it's about me. I, I need. I need I'm the bump. Constantly texting Mirren, like, like, hey, you gotta profile this Laker just so that we can have an excuse to have her back on the podcast. Like, I said, yeah. if these handlers and the agents would just stop rejecting me it could happen so let's let's see all right this well if you get if you like, writing is like baseball if you get one amazing profile out of all the people who turn you down wonderful but uh i will still keep keep well trying. if you get the russer ad one after this then we can call it like the the fagan and Irwin bump the the lakers lounge <laughs> bump you know like manifested okay manifest. yeah yeah we'll add it to the number of bumps that are currently all over my body like that's just I'm just a very bumpy from your, from your child abusing you yeah. with a toy <laughs> <laughs> with a little jest doll all right. Well, thank you very much, Mirren, for hopping on. Uh, this was a blast. I can't wait to uh, talk to you about the Anthony Davis profile that you're eventually going to write to turn his three-point season around. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and, and yeah, man, best of luck on the rest of, of this season. And and on that book, I, you know, I can't wait to uh, find out what it's about and then eventually read or, or listen to it. Um, and, and we'll talk to you soon. 